The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Now on Mitchell's Front Page, On the Road with Toby Hagan. Morning, Toby. How are you? Good, thanks, Mitchell. Good morning. Now, Hyundai is looking at selling uh, its new electric vehicle only online. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. This is the latest um, relatively new EV arrival to only be sold online. There's quite a few already. I mean, uh, if you look at, uh, you know, Tesla is obviously one of them. They only do, uh, you can only buy it through their online portal. Um, you've then got uh, BMW coming up with their iX models. Uh, iX3 and the regular iX will only be available for online sale. Um, and now Hyundai. So it's um, it's quite quite a different way of doing things. And, and um, you know, instead of having that ability, I guess, to, to wander into a dealership and start negotiating on price, that's simply not going to be there. Um, you'll be told that's the price. <laughs> that's what you'll be paying. So, um, so yeah, quite interesting. Uh, October 12 is when the car um, appears online. Um, they're actually doing a, a, a system initially where you, you have to put down a deposit. They're only getting 400 cars basically in the first batch. So, um, you know, a fairly small uh, um, lineup of models to kick off with, but uh, they're hoping to get more in 2022. But, um, but yeah, different way of selling cars. Very important car for Hyundai, though. Yeah, it's interesting, this online method, and I suppose that's where we're perhaps heading. But do they actually put the price online as a bit cheaper simply because you don't go into a car yard and start haggling with the salesperson? Look, I guess they would argue probably yes, but I don't necessarily think so. I think it's probably a way to uh, to make sure the margins are relatively healthy, <laughs> that they can uh, not necessarily have to discount. But, um, and, you know, I think in a way this might be the world we're sort of heading into. I mean, look, Honda, for example, um, it, it's got now fixed prices, so you can't negotiate on price. Mercedes-Benz is moving to that model next year. Um, so, uh, so, you know, it's a, as I said, a, a bit of a different way of doing things. And um, I guess Tesla in some ways has set the template. They've shown that it can work and that, uh, you know, there, there's an argument here that um, some customers obviously will be better off. They might not be the best negotiators. Others will uh, almost definitely be worse off because, uh, you know, they can crunch a decent deal. But at least you're not having to roll up and, uh, and and find out that someone you know may have paid more or less than what you did. So it takes out that uncertainty that uh, that you may not be getting the, the best deal. Especially if you're, yeah, not the person that is good at negotiating, as you say, and you don't need to the theatrics of walking out and pretending to shop around and waiting for them to talk to the manager. I mean, it's it's quite an ordeal buying a car that way. Oh, it is, absolutely. And, and look, some people revel in it. They absolutely love that and go in there and see if they can save another 10 bucks and try and, uh, try and <laughs> pump them down. But, um, but as you say, taking that uncertainty out of it, people will say, okay, at least I know that's the price. Um, it doesn't matter. I don't need to spend three weeks shopping around to try and, uh, try and crunch them down. That's all I'm going to get. So it's, um, you know, I, I guess the uncertainty kicks in if you've got a trade in that because the trade in obviously uh, it can vary dealer to dealer. And, uh, you know, when you go in and say, okay, I'm, I, you know, the new car is X about, but uh, show me how much you're going to pay for mine, then clearly, clearly you're going to get different answers when you're wandering to different dealerships. So um, so there's still a level of uncertainty there and you can still still waste plenty of time trying to figure out the, uh, the best deal from that perspective. And then when you do buy it online, do you then go and pick it up at a dealership or do they bring it round to you or how does that part work? 
Typically at a at a dealership, yeah. So you'll you'll and with this Hyundai one, yeah, absolutely. So it'll be um, picked up from the dealership. Uh, so that's usually the way it works. I mean, Tesla's quite interesting at the moment in um, in a couple of states, for example. Uh, they appear to have uh, they appear to be getting more interest than uh, than the network may have been set up for. So they're actually delivering some cars in warehouses. So it's uh, they've got a, a warehouse that they basically fit it out with some lounges and stuff, and you roll up and they do a quick introduction to the car and fling you the keys. Well, they don't fling you the keys because there aren't keys with a Tesla, but they um, they send you on your way with the car. So it's um, so out and about after picking it up in a warehouse. So I guess that side of it as well um, could also be pretty different too. If there's no keys, what is it paired to your smartphone or something? Yeah, that's right. So it comes with a thing that looks like a credit card. Um, and if, if your phone dies, you know, if you flat battery or whatever, then you can just hold the credit card up against the, it's on the, uh, the side pillar, the windscreen pillar. You sort of hold it up against that and then that opens the doors. And then when you get in the car, you've got to sort of put it in a special place in the center console and that will let the car know to go. But, but yeah, if everything's working fine, you've got, um, uh, you've got your phone working and I think it's done by, um, uh, near, near field communication, Bluetooth communication. So when it senses that your phone is within a meter or two of the car, it's all systems go. So um, so in you get and off you go. Now, electric utes in the US, they're rolling off the production line over there. Tell us about that. Sure are, yeah. Two big announcements over the last week, which is that... Um, uh, that Rivian, which is one of these new startup brands, so it's you know it's trying to emulate pretty much what Tesla's been doing, and uh, Rivian started sending its first production vehicles down the production line. Um, now, initially, obviously, to be sold in America, um, they will come to Australia at some point. Whether that's in a year or two years, we're not quite sure, but they are on the uh, their for Australia. Uh, so they've started building cars, which is uh, quite a big moment. They were delayed quite a bit. They were hoping to get started earlier this year, but um, but have had to delay the production of those vehicles. Um, and the second one's the Ford F-150 Lightning. And this is a big one. I mean, this is pretty much the top-selling car in America, uh, as in the F-150 is. The Lightning version is the all-electric version. And um, and they've just started building the first versions of that as well. Customer deliveries start early next year. And uh, that's going to be a big one for Ford. I mean, they've actually doubled production capacity for that car now. They were initially planning to build 40,000 of them a year. They're now talking about 80,000 a year. So it's a pretty significant step up, uh, you know, doubling the production capability of that car. And uh, they're saying that the initial demand for it has certainly exceeded their expectations. So it's, uh, I guess, an, an inkling of what to expect as, as uh, the, the ute market starts to uh, to at least get used to the idea of electric-powered utes. Now, the Cupra brand, I think you told us about this uh, a few months ago. You've got a bit of an update on when it might go on sale in Australia. Yeah, so Cupra is looking at... So Cupra, to put it in perspective for people who don't know, it's actually a spin-off of one of the Volkswagen brands, so um, a Spanish brand called Seat. Does anyone with a long memory or remember that they actually did sell in Australia very briefly back in the 1990s? Um, They've sort of spun off their performance division and called it Cupra. So everything in those cars, the Cupra vehicles, uh, is Volkswagen stuff. So it's Volkswagen engines that they sit on Volkswagen architectures. There's lots of familiarity for, for anyone who drives a Volkswagen. If you sit in a Cupra, you'll certainly notice some similarities there. But um, the styling and so on and the, the treatment, the materials and stuff are very different. And they're trying to sort of fill this void between uh, your mainstream, I guess the top end of the mainstream brands and the lower end of the luxury car market, trying to fill in the gaps there. If there are any gaps, they reckon there are. Uh, and focused a bit on performance and driving excitement and enthusiasm. Uh, and they're going to be here mid-2022, so uh, you've got about a, an eight- or nine-month wait from now. 
but then within another sort of six, possibly 12 months of that launch date, we're going to see, it looks like, an electric Cupra. So a car called the Cupra Born. And um, uh, this, again, will obviously use the Volkswagen uh, architecture. It'll be built on uh, the same platform and use most of the running gear from the Volkswagen ID4. And um, pretty important car for Cooper. I mean, they see this one as a big one. The brand is looking to go fully electric by the end of the decade. Uh, so they obviously want to get in early. And the pricing is probably one of the more interesting parts. So they're talking, you know, the initial the initial feeling is that it might be around about the $50,000 mark, obviously in the premium end of the market, but not in terms of electric vehicles. The most affordable electric vehicle on the market today is the MG ZS, and that's uh, $45,000, and everything goes north of that. So if they can bring one in for that with decent performance and uh, high levels of equipment like they're talking about, then I think it could, uh, could shake things up a bit in that EV market. The Toyota Land Cruiser 300 series, there's been a bit of a delay, has there, if you've got a, an order, there's been a bit of a problem with computer chips? Yeah, microchips, I mean, this is something that's hitting the industry globally. There's a shortage of micro, uh, semiconductors around the world, and um, it means that a number of factories have had to pull back on um, uh, pull back on production. Some brands are actually pulling features out of the car, so they're actually looking at some of the I guess, you know, obviously not drive features and safety features, but other features within the car, whether it's heated seats or something like that, to, to pull them out temporarily just so they can keep the, the production lines running. But, yeah, look, a massive shortage of, uh, of chips around the world. Um, and Toyota, as a result, has had to shut a whole bunch of its factories, including the, um, the Land Cruiser factory. So the factory that's making the new 300 series Land Cruiser, it's shut as we speak, doesn't open for another week or so. And uh, it's been shut for the past three weeks. And this is as the new model's ramping up. Huge demand for it in Australia. There's people queuing already to own one, and it looks like those queues are going to be stretched out. So um, Toyota's going to have cars in dealerships in a few weeks, but they're not allowed to sell them. The dealers aren't allowed to sell those cars. They're only allowed to do uh, test drives and so on with them. So they're basically demo cars. And the first customer deliveries we're sort of expecting will arrive before the end of the year. But uh, there is already some significant waiting lists for that car. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, it stretches well into next year. So it's um, looking like being a bit of a long wait if you are interested in one of those new 300 series Land Cruisers. And this one I'm very, very interested in because you see the ads all the time. But uh, you've been driving the Kia Carnival V6 and it looks like they're really trying to push this one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, this latest carnival, it's been out almost a year now. It came out very late last year. And um, uh, it's, uh, you know, I guess the, the big appeal of this car, in some ways, it's, you know, it's, it's changed the people mover market, the, the Kia Carnival generally. I mean, you go back to the 80s and 90s and everyone bought a Toyota Tarago. The Tarago is now dead and uh, the Kia Carnival is very much the top seller in that segment. And with good reason. I mean, one of the things it's got is eight seats, so it's, uh, it's got a lot of space. Unlike a lot of the, the three-row um, seat SUVs, you can actually fit eight people in this thing and still have luggage in there as well, which is, uh, as I said, with, with SUVs, you t- it's t- it tends to be an either-or. You can have five people in luggage or, or seven people in uh, very little luggage. But with this, uh, the carnival, you've got a heap of space in the back. Um, I tested it out with a bunch of the kids' surfboards and so on as well, so you can still have four or five kids in there, a whole bunch of surfboards. Um, we went 
push bike riding as well. And again, the seats flip and fold really nicely with that. So it's, uh, it was great in terms of that. Uh, V6 engine, the diesel probably works better in that car because you've got that sort of low rev torque and the, the flexibility. But look, the V6 is smoother. It's certainly um, a very effective engine. You've just got to rev it to get the big performance out of it. Probably the one area the car falls short a little bit is in the rear suspension. So it, it doesn't really like big bumps in the in the rear suspension, particularly if you've got uh, a few people on board. It sort of bucks a bit in the back end. But look, everywhere else, quality quality, quality levels are terrific. Seven-year warranty. Loads of equipment in it. The one I had was top of the range, so it's got electric sliding um, side doors and so on. It's uh, It's got every feature under the sun, so it's uh, it's a very well-kitted-out car. Easy to understand why it's a uh, very popular people mover. In the ad, obviously, I think they're driving it around a racetrack. I mean, what is the sort of person that wants to load up eight kids and surfboards and bikes and all that sort of thing, but then also wants to have that really high performance? <laughs> yeah, look, I guess... Probably what they're trying to say is it, it, it's not just about taking people. I think I think the marketing message is probably more, a, you know, it's still a decent car to drive. It's and they're trying to position it more as a as a desirable car rather than just a practical car. Is where people movers often often being positioned. They're seeing a stage of life cars where people yes. say, oh, "I've got to get one of them now because I've got so many kids." And I think they're trying to pitch this one as, "No, this is a car you can actually be proud to drive. It's fun to drive. Um, you can enjoy it as well as have all the practicality as well." So I think that's. Uh, that's probably more the message there, but it's uh, you know the reality is I don't think anyone's ever going to take it on a racetrack. It's not that sort of car, but uh, it certainly does drive respectively well. As I said, the, the rear suspension could do with a little bit more work, but uh, but everywhere else it's a terrific bit of kit. So just don't go over too many bumps. No, try and try and slow down a bit more for the bumps. <laughs> so yeah, I mean look to be fair, a lot of cars, you know, BMW X7 has. Similar sort of things. When you've got a fair bit of weight in that, you can certainly feel the rear end sort of straining a little bit. Um, so it's not aligned in that regard. But, uh, you know, it's, I guess it's an area of concern. And look, you know, one of the challenges with, with uh, suspension in cars is packaging it in. They've got to fit it in and still be able to fit all the luggage and everything. So sometimes a car maker will make a compromise. They'll try and uh, put a different suspension system in there that may not necessarily contain the car as well as it otherwise could. But it still gives you the space, which is what people want. So everything's a compromise in car design and uh, it all comes down to suspension and, and engines and everything else. Well, thanks so much for being on the program and we'll talk to you in two weeks' time. Always good to catch up. Sounds good. Thanks, Mitchell. Thank you, Toby Hagen. They're the editor of evcentral.com.au. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or wherever you get your podcasts.